So now as we come to your word, Lord, we open our hearts to your great God. We thank you that you're our God who speaks. And I pray you're finding us this morning and people ready to receive what you have for us, to respond in faith and obedience, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Jody coming to share God's Word with us this morning. Jody looks after all of our bridge care ministries, reaching out, blessing people right across our community. Always so many stories of the impact and power of God's love being expressed in powerful ways. And Jody does lots of other things around the church. I won't start listing them or she'll never get a chance to speak. So can we welcome Jody as she comes to share with us this morning? Bless you, church. It's great to be here this morning. I just wanted to start with a story today. I came across as I was doing my sermon research this week. A couple had two little mischievous boys, ages eight and 10. They were always getting into trouble and their parents knew that if any mischief occurred in their town, their sons would get the blame. The boy's mother heard that a clergyman in town had been successful in disciplining children. So she asked if he would speak with her boys. The clergyman agreed and asked to see them individually. So the mother sent her eight-year-old first in the morning with the older boy to see him in the afternoon. The clergyman, a huge man with a booming voice, sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly, where is God? The boy's mouth dropped open. He made no response. The clergyman repeated the question, where is God? With his eyes wide, the boy made no attempt to answer. So the clergyman raised his voice some more and shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, where is God? The boy screamed and bolted from the room. He ran directly home and dove into his closet, slamming the door behind him. When his older brother found him in the closet, he asked, what happened? The younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, we are in real big trouble this time. God is missing and they think we did it. Maybe that story resonates with me as the mother of two boys who have found themselves in some mischief over the years. The times that I've cried out to God as a parent, but make no mistake, church. If you're wondering where God is this morning, He is here with us. He inhabits the praises of His people. And as we've worshiped together, we know His presence here. We wanna pray as we come to God's Word. Pray again as we come to God's Word this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you reveal who you are to us. And this morning, God, we ask that you'd open our hearts to what you have to say to us today. Show us, speak to us, Lord. By your Holy Spirit, I pray that these aren't any human words that reach our ears and our hearts. These are your words, Holy Spirit. Speak powerfully in Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, we're in the second week of our sermon series, our church-wide series, looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, we are breaking this down verse by verse. And, you know, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but actually I think it would be more accurate if it was recorded as the disciples' prayer because the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And this was the prayer that Jesus gave to them. 
And as disciples now in the 21st century, we are looking at this prayer again and asking Jesus to teach us to pray. You know, the, the disciples in asking this question of Jesus, um, it's not that they were asking because they were unfamiliar with prayer. They were Jews who'd grown up hearing prayers all their lives. They'd probably been taught prayers from childhood. Maybe you learnt prayers as a kid that you remember still and they just roll off your tongue without even having to think about them. These disciples lived in a culture where the practice of religion was very much more open and commonplace than it is for most of us. Religion and life were hard to separate in first century AD. Prayer and worship were practiced in all sorts of forms by all sorts of people, not just the Jews, to a whole variety of gods. But Jesus' prayer life was unmistakably different. I think the disciples were asking Jesus to teach them to pray, not because they weren't familiar with praying, but because in Jesus they saw a relationship with God which was different to anything they had seen or experienced before. When you think about it, these disciples could have come to Jesus and asked him anything. They could have come and asked him to teach them how to heal people. They could have come and asked him how to teach them how to do those amazing food miracles. They could have asked him to to teach them how to calm storms. They saw all of this in Jesus, but they knew that it flowed out of Jesus' prayer. They recognized power and love, intimacy and connection to God that was at the center of everything Jesus did. Who he was and what what he did was all centered in this prayer with his father. And they recognized if Jesus would just teach them to pray like he prays, then that could change everything. Jesus gives them this prayer. And over these weeks, we're gonna say this prayer every week together. So let's do that now. Um, Just try and put out of your mind the version that you've learnt, which is very hard to do. And we're gonna read these words as they come up on the screen together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, oops. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The evil one. It's hard to do, isn't it? And, and because it's so familiar to us, I think we can easily just let it roll off our tongue without actually appreciating the depth of these words, what Jesus is actually saying to us. And he gave us a warning last week that our prayers weren't meant to be just prattling prattling speech, mantras that we repeat over and over. This isn't a formula that he gives us. This is the, not the only prayer. It's the, it's the heart that Jesus is describing to us here about prayer and our connection to God through prayer. So we're gonna look at that very first verse. Our Father, 
If someone were asking you to teach them how to pray, where would you start? Jesus begins with our Father. Jesus could have addressed God by any number of different titles that had been revealed in Scripture. And the one he tells us to use when we come to pray is Father. There are actually two words for Father in Aramaic, which is the language our New Testament is originally recorded in. Ab, A-B, Ab, and Abba, A-double-B-A. Both are translated as the word Father in English, but in Aramaic, they actually mean two very different things. Ab is the impersonal term for father. If you are referring to someone's role as a father or if you're talking about someone else's dad, you would use ab. Abba is the personal use of father when you're talking about your own dad, the one who loves you and cares for you, the one who you belong to as his child. It would actually be an insult to use ab about your own father, and it would be like denying the relationship that you have with your dad. And here in the text, it is the word Abba that Jesus uses for father, our father. He's telling us to address God in that personal way that he is our dad who loves us and cares for us. Jesus is inviting us into this relationship of knowing God as our dad. Now it's okay for Jesus to use that word Abba. We can understand that he was God's son. But how do you feel about Jesus inviting you into knowing God like he does as father? We are not coming to God in the sense that he is this father of creation in some abstract paternal benevolent sense. Jesus invites us to come to God as our dad in the most personal relationship we could know with him. Maybe it's a bit like your own son and daughter coming home with their best friend and saying, hey, mom and dad, This is my mom and dad. You can call them mom and dad too. It's like an invitation to know that they're part of your family, welcome in your family. And I wonder if that's what Jesus is doing for us here. When we pray to God, we pray as people accepted in his family, his beloved children. John 1.12 tells us that all who receive Jesus, who believe in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Romans 8 and Galatians 4 affirm that when we receive Jesus and his spirit, a spiritual adoption actually takes place. We are no longer outsiders or slaves. We are made sons and daughters, children of God, heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. In Jesus, When we receive what he's done for us at the cross, our relationship with God changes from Ab to Abba. This is amazing because we have freedom to come into God's presence, freedom to approach God's throne of grace with confidence as his beloved children. And God is glad and pleased to receive us. We are not his burden. We are his delight. 
When we come to pray, we don't come as strangers to God. We don't have to be wary of his disposition towards us. We come as his precious and dearly loved children. 1 John 3, 1 says, see the great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Can you say that, church? And that is what we are? Some of you are wary about coming to God today and Jesus invites you into this relationship to know him as Abba. I don't want you to miss the significance of the tiny word our that sits before Father in this opening line of the prayer. Jesus' relationship with God is open to us. We're invited to connect to God just like he does. And then this prayer continues with this plural use of personal pronouns all the way through. Have you, have you noticed that? We're praying all together. Lead us, give us. We don't pray to my Father in heaven. We don't pray, give me my daily bread and forgive me my sins. In our Western culture where individualism is, is everything to us, especially when it comes to faith, we can easily forget that we're entering, entering into a relationship with God, which is also entering into a relationship with his people. Jesus does not call us to be disciples on our own. Hear that this morning. We need each other. God designed us to share and live out our faith in community. In our recent experiences of isolation, we've been given a new appreciation of how important community is to us. I'm so thankful for you church joining me here this morning. I had a few goes at preaching to a camera during COVID and I can tell you it's not the same without you here. We need you here on Sunday morning. I'm so thankful to be a part of what Jesus establishes as his church, his people, his body, his family, continuing to be that tangible expression of who he is in our community, in our city, in our world. This is not something we do alone. We need each other's help. We need to encourage one another. And I hope you actually get a taste of this in connect groups over this series. You know, one of the highlights of my week is Bridge Care Thursdays. We have around 20 volunteers turn up every Thursday morning at the big blue Bridge Care Shed, 8.30 a.m., just in case the Holy Spirit's like prompting someone now to come and join us. You're most welcome. Often these jobs are outside doing practical um, jobs around people's homes for people in need in our local community. And um, I'm always kind of watching the weather for Thursdays. And this Thursday it was forecast rain. And I thought, you know, God, it'd be really great if we just had a few hours on Thursday morning without rain. But on Thursday morning when I woke up, it was raining. And every time I looked at the sky, actually I was doing this driving here, I was looking at the sky going, God, just lighten that rain, just hold it off a little bit for us today. It rained harder every time I prayed that. (laughs) 
Seriously, I thought, who is gonna turn up to volunteer to work in some random person's garden in the pouring rain? Thankfully, Jesus turns up and about 20 of our bridge care team still came. There is no way one person would have persevered or kept going in that weather on their own. But the team together was so amazing. And as I look around, I go, this is what we're called to church. This is who we are as God's people, loving and living out faith together, encouraging one another, helping one another, doing life together. You know, I don't think Jesus' model for praying excludes us from praying individually and personally. But in teaching us to pray, he wants us to realize that, we are in, rela- that in relationship with our Father, we are connected to one another. Our faith and ex- its expression is never isolated. Hear that. It impacts the people around you. When we come together to pray to our Father as his children, it is amazing and powerful and unifying and a faith-building experience. Praying as community together is what God has called us to in this place. And I'd encourage you to be a part of it. In this father-child relationship that we are in, God is imminent meaning that he is near and intimate to us. But in this closeness, we are not to see him as small. When Jesus says, pray to our father, he adds in heaven, our father in heaven. He calls us to remember that our father is God. Acknowledging God in heaven shifts our perspective. It changes our focus and our vision of who God is. God is close, but at the same time, he is transcendent. When I picture heaven, I see God in perfection, majesty, God in his glory, on his throne, angels in continual praise and worship around him. God is sovereign, creator, reigning over and above every part of his creation. Listen to these words in Psalm 95. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his and he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship kneel before God our maker, for he is our God and we are his people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. When I hear those words, it's so incredible to fathom his greatness and glory. The one who holds the depths of the seas and the peaks of the mountains in his hands 
and yet as our shepherd feeding us out of those same hands. Writer and preacher Tim Keller says that God's fatherness makes his heavenliness non-intimidating, but his heavenliness makes his fatherness not just comforting, but absolutely liberating. This is our God. Our Father is the King above all else. You know, sometimes we feel silly bringing our small things to God, don't we? But when we get a picture of who God really is, everything is small to Him. Everything. The details of our lives, the cares of our hearts are not lost on Him. The God who set the stars in place knows the number of hairs on our head. What a father. Many of you knew my dad who passed away four years ago now. I was so blessed to have a good earthly father and I know not everyone here can say that and I know God knows the pain of that journey for you. Just a couple of weekends ago, I was feeling overwhelmed with some challenges in life and family and have I mentioned that my boys are 15 and 17? (laughs) The parenting journey is not over yet. I just wanted to talk to my dad. I actually went and sat by his grave and cried, just missing him. My heart ached to feel loved like a child instead of pretending to be the grown-up who's supposed to know what to do. And as I sat there missing my dad, the Holy Spirit reminded me that I don't come to a gravestone for wisdom and comfort. Jesus did not tell us to pray to dead people or saints or angels for that matter. We have a dad in heaven who loves us, who knows and sees the aches and cries of our heart and he is mighty to save church. He is mighty to save. He is sovereign and faithful and good in every circumstance. And we can call on him to move and act in the things that matter most to us. He has plans and purposes yet to unfold. Words and promises yet to fulfill. We come before our heavenly father in faith because of who he is, our father in heaven. The view of God puts things in perspective, seeing him in heaven like this. And I wanna get really practical today. If you imagine whatever is on your heart, mattering most to you today, the thing that you're worried or anxious or burdened by, imagine it sitting in your hands right now. Put your hands out. We're getting practical here. Maybe it's your teenage children. Maybe it's a relationship, a marriage. Maybe it's an uncertain work situation or a housing situation. Maybe it's a health crisis or the uncertainty of something that you are facing. And often we go through life with that thing in our hands right in front of us. Put your hands up. When you do that, all you can see is the problem. You can't see past it. It's the biggest thing in your view. It's no wonder we are overcome with worry over these things. 
And yet if we lay our hands out, like we're a child giving it back to God, and we lift our eyes to the heavens, where does that problem go? We get a different perspective, don't we? We see that problem differently because our eyes are on our God in heaven. He's big enough to handle these things. Jesus continues in this prayer, asking us to keep enlarging our vision of who God is, not just in our personal circumstances, but in in who God is in the world, that he'd be magnified and glorified everywhere, in the heavens and on the earth. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word we use very often. It's an old English word, but even in modern translations of the Bible, hallowed is still used here because we just don't have another word that adequately describes what hallowed actually is. Perhaps if we were gonna make an attempt, hallowed could be described as ultimate adoration, that the name of God would be holy, revered, sacred, worshiped, praised, exalted throughout the world. It is to see God in the place of highest honor in every situation and circumstance. Jesus teaches us that prayer begins with a motivation to adore our God, to see Him honoured and glorified, to see his name, which represents his nature, his character, his revelation to us, to see him magnified in the heavens and on the earth. As we come to our Father in heaven, we are asking that he would visibly reveal his holiness and his glory to the world, that the world would see him and know him as Saviour and Lord. Knowing the nature of God and His ways shapes how we pray and what we pray. When we forget to revere God, the rest of our prayers can become very self-centered. When we come to pray without recognizing who God is, we could easily fall into praying, my will be done and my kingdom come. Actually, all of our failures might well be described as failures of adoration. Would we sin if we really grasped the impact of it before a holy God? Would we worry if we really understood how sovereign and mighty God is? Would we get upset if we could see the perfection of God's justice and mercy? Would we hesitate to forgive if we really knew all that we had been forgiven of? Would we doubt our salvation if we could just grasp God's grace, the fullness of what Jesus has effected at the cross? Adoration enlarges God and heals our view of the world and our view of ourselves. The name of God is hallowed when we praise and worship and give thanks to Him. Adoration calls us to remember, to declare, to give thanks for who God is, for what He has done and what He is yet to do. 
So often prayer and thanksgiving are linked together in the scriptures. And I think that's because this is how we hallow God. We get practical when we give him thanks. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Philippians 4.6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank Him, church. God is magnified when we adore Him in this way. But adoration is not just meant to be in our words. Our whole lives are meant to put God's glory on display. We are God's redeemed image bearers. By the Holy Spirit at work in us, we are being renewed day by day, transformed into the image of Christ. As God's people, we are stewards of His name, stewards of His holiness. And when people see Jesus in us, God is amplified, God is on display. The name of God is hallowed in every baptism, in every story told of God's goodness and greatness, bringing every story of freedom and victory in people's lives. The more people who come to know Christ, the more people exist to revere Him, the more His name is hallowed in the world, amen? Is that not our heart for revival? to see Jesus glorified and magnified in every single person's life. As we live in adoration, God's holiness is reflected in us. It shines out of us. I think this is the light we are called to be. One writer put it this way, we are holy because the cross of Jesus Christ gives us access to the source of all holiness, God Almighty. Staying at the source of holiness will produce a change in our thoughts and actions as our wills begin lining up more and more with God's revealed will. Then those around us will see a reflection of God's holiness because we abide in Christ and He in us. As God's name is exalted in us and through us, our lives no longer have divisions of sacred and secular. God is in it all. Every action, every decision, our thoughts and words are all for Him. Every part of our lives brings honour to Him. I met a lady at the op shop a few weeks ago And she just loves the place. She said, I just love this. I just live down the road. I'm here all the time. I tell all my friends to come here. It's just so amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really great. Um, And then she said, she sort of paused and she said, you know what I'd really like to know? And I said, oh, what? She goes, I'd really like to know who's behind all of this. (laughs) And I thought... I'm sure she was expecting me to rattle off some names, but there was only one name I could tell her. I said, I can tell you who's behind it all. And she looked at me and I said, it's Jesus. And that wasn't quite the answer she was hoping for. (laughs) Let me tell you. 
but it's the truth, church. Because as a community, as we're called to the visions that God gives us to continue to love people in this place, it is him who gets the honor and the glory. It is him who is amplified and magnified. And we just wanna keep doing that as his people here, don't we, church? I love how the Passion Translation phrases this verse. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Do you love that? Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our Father, we come before you as your people today, precious and loved by you. Thank you for making us your children. Thank you for calling us to community, your expression in this place. Lord, with our praise and our worship, we honor you. We give thanks to you. We adore you this morning. We ask God that you would be the center on which our lives turn, that your Holy Spirit would continue to lead us into the holiness of you as we abide in you and you in us, that your will would be revealed here, that your name would be made known, that we would be people who declare your praises, who bring glory and majesty to you, great God. Hallowed be your name. In your precious name, we praise and worship you. Church, we're gonna stand and sing together now. And I just wonder if there was something really tangible that you saw in your hands as we did that little activity before. In worship now, just lay it before Jesus. See that he reigns over it. See that he's got it. Be his child and his present and know his comfort and wisdom for you today. And sing glory and honor to him. Let's stand and worship together. Cross the world was filled. 
Jody was sharing that message. I was reminded, in fact, my mind went to Isaiah 6. And I just feel this morning we're just going to worship, sing that chorus again. But before we do that, I want to read to you this picture of the one who reigns alone in glory. In other words, all the glory is his alone, no one else's. That's what that song's saying there. All the heavens, they're surrounding his throne, but the glory is his alone. So let me read to you Isaiah 6. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne. And the train of His robe filled the temple. And above Him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet and with two they were flying. They had to cover themselves because of the glory of the Lord. It was too much for them. Such was His glory. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. That's our prayers, Jody said the whole earth would be full of His glory, that our church would be full of His glory, that our lives would be so aware of the glory of God. It is a miracle, a miracle of God's grace that we are in His presence this morning, the Holy One, the mighty God, so far above us. And yet we have this opportunity to come into His presence. And so this morning we come and we say, hallowed be Your name. Hallowed be Your name. Hallowed be your name. You alone are worthy. You reign above it all, great God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. As Isaiah says, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And yet, Lord, you came and you draw near to Isaiah. You touched his lips saying that guilt has been taken away through Jesus. The same for us this morning. And so we worship you. We glorify you. We sing, hallowed is your name. You reign. Let's sing, church. Let's honour him, worship him. He's above everything this morning.
continue to reveal more of your glory to us, great God. That every part of our lives, Lord, would just seek to, to bring glory to your name. That's what I would pray. And I pray too for us as a church, Lord, through this series, that we would know more of your glory being revealed to us, Lord. We're humbled in your presence this morning and, and so full of thanks, Lord, that we can come to you, mighty God. And you have called us as your children. We're able to call you our Father. So bless each one, I pray. This day, Lord, this week ahead, bless them, Lord, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Everyone said, Amen. Can we put our hands together, church, as we give thanks to our great God. He is so worthy. He is so worthy. Thanks so much for sharing with us. For those online as well, you can take a seat. If you'd like prayer in some way, our prayer team will be down the front here. They'd love to pray for you. If you're online, you can email through to prayeratbridgman.org.au. And just a reminder that we're heading out through the side doors as well. And something new, there are little prayer request stations here as well. If you have a prayer need and you want to write that down, you can write them at the stations you leave as well. Drop them in the offering containers there. And we'd love to pray for you this week. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you soon.